future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luca. The timing sucks, cause the maps are ass. But did you see his no-look pass? Whoa! 77 minutes in heaven. Welcome to 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The only Mavericks podcast that's recording multiple times this week. You know, we just... Probably. Maybe. We just felt like there, you know, we just felt like there might have been something to talk about. I mean, you know, it's it's the offseason. There there must not be, but... Here we are. You know your brains are melted because our brains are melted. So okay. let's 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 podcast. Why not? Yeah, that was let's that was not that was not remotely a clever intro or anything like that. But I I will use the brain melted excuse. Uh, I think I think I think I can get away with that one for for one time on a on a Thursday. I, I think you've earned that and then some this week, buddy. Okay, so Mike Pellucci, um, we're going to talk about Donnie Nelson, who was out, and it was announced Wednesday. It came as a surprise to me uh, in terms of I did not know that news was coming today, but it was pretty clear with the reporting we did um, you know, earlier this week that there was a resolution coming, that something was going to go down. I mean, it, I guess we didn't explicitly write this in the big piece we wrote Monday, but you know, something I, I kept saying on podcast news shows and maybe on this one, you know, is that this summer was always headed that direction where the power structure and the through lines were going to change. I said that so many times, like it feels like I'm reading off a script because there was, you know, nine appearances I did or, or whatever it was on Monday, just kind of came back to the the same talking points. But that that that's what this was. Um, I do want to talk about the reporting a little bit later on and, and just like just share kind of inside you know, inside baseball, as they call it, in, in terms of just how it all happens and, and the process and People can believe what they want to believe, but I think we can refute some, you know, common talking points that people have. But right now, Donnie Nelson is out. Did this need to happen? Like, are you, do you think that it is a positive move independent of who replaces him, who is hired, like just focusing on Donnie himself, like given his track record, was it time? I mean, it's so hard, you know, like I I do think unfortunately that context we do need because Donnie Nelson wasn't perfect. Let's be clear about that. You know, uh, there were the very, very obvious, massive grand slam hits of Dirk Nowitzki and of Luka Doncic and of, you know, if he had it his way, maybe a Giannis Antetokounmpo. But um, there were also misses. You know, there were a lot of kind of barren drafts in between then. There was this team has not gotten out of the first round of the playoffs since they won the championship in 2011. Some of that falls on other you know other actors in the organization, but that falls on the general manager, you know. Um, so it's. Donnie had his pluses. Donnie had his minuses, but it's impossible to know who else we you know, until we see who else comes in. We don't know what is a better solution or not. And that's also mitigated by the fact that a lot of, you know, our reporting that we put out this week and you, know, you and Sam Amick, uh, it's, it's complicated in that we don't even know fully how to evaluate Donnie over the last several years, because it wasn't just Donnie calling the shots, right? Bob Volgaris also had a, had a seat at the table and a very influential one. So it's hard. It's hard to really totally say, Will was a time or will it be better? Uh, I, what I feel confident saying is that the Donnie Nelson tenure was a success. You know, he is played a very large role in the best player in franchise history being here. He played, a, he built the team that won its only championship. He, after, you know, as said, superstar and Dirk Nowitzki was aging out. He seamlessly brought in another one in Luka Doncic. That deserves a lot of credit and that deserves a lot of acclaim. It is very hard to be somewhere for two plus decades and not have 
you know, your ups and downs along the way. But I think the big picture of Donnie's resume, history is going to be very kind to that. Yeah, I think I think that when we think about what was Donnie good at, what what was he successful at throughout his tenure, and I think especially over the past 10 years, I viewed him as someone who could be the voice of reason at times to Mark. Uh, not always. I, I think it's clear that the direction the, the front office took following the championship was the wrong direction as they almost hopelessly, haplessly, you know, tried to go for big names, stars. And with the consistency that they did that, I have to think that Donnie it, it either had no ability to push back or, or at least was, you know, supportive of these plans. Obviously, he is someone who is so well connected that I could also see him falling into that trap because he knows so many people. He talked to so many agents. He has so many relationships that he also believes, you know, when an agent says, oh, my two clients want to come play for you guys. If you have open cap space, they'll come join you guys because of the championship pedigree and because you have Dirk Nowitzki. But really, they just want to play together and just make sure you open up cap space. That was the the direction of, of the franchise for a solid six, seven years. And it was a largely fruitless one. Um, I do think that Mark's influence here was was enormous. And, you know, and, and that's the you know, you said it was complicated to, to balance what was what was Donnie, what was Mark, what was Bob over the past few years. You know, even further back than that, you know, there was always the competing interest of Mark Cuban sometimes just does what he wants to do. Sometimes sure. he gets the way, yeah. you know, gets gets done what he wants to get done. And if he has an idea, it's it's very similar in the sense that I don't think that Rick Carlisle was, you know, ever told this is the exact lineup you have to play. And at six minutes, you get this player out. It was always more fluid than that. But I do believe that Rick at, at some point, you know, was led to believe that he, there was times he needed to list, be listening to people like Bob and probably people even before that. He's an adaptable coach. So that goes back to the Monday reporting in terms of Donnie. You know, I, I do think that he his relationship with Mark and, and his ability to maintain it for so long is I think I, I could see us in six years, 10 years, uh, some amount of time looking back. We'll, we could look at Donnie and say, wow. He was able to balance that for as long as he was. That was a talent. That was a skill. I mean, I think you just look at the NBA on, a, on its whole and you say this was the longest tenure GM upon his firing, granted by, you know, only by a, a few days, thanks to Ainge also leaving. But GMs don't stick around as long as he did. And and especially yeah. not with owners like Mark and, you know, owners who are very involved. And I think there is a specific type of balancing act that Donnie was often able to pull off. And in recent years, the, the the balance finally tilted out of his favor. Uh, we reported Thursday morning that there was just an understanding that Donnie was seeing his influence slip, at least in his perspective. And for the final time, he wasn't able to come to Mark and be like, this is how it should go. I think you're approaching this wrong. Um, yeah. Whatever that approach was exactly, whether it was a meeting or, or you know, just a conversation or just things expressed to him over, over the course of, of this season and even beyond that. This is the time that he wasn't able to, you know, to walk that line with with Mark. And now he's out. So, yeah, it, a little unceremoniously, but frankly, the majority of exits, you know, in this organization for long tenured people tend to be unceremonious. We only Dirk get Nowitzki's one Dirk. The exception. Yeah, we only get one Dirk. Yeah, every, everybody else. I mean, Donnie's father didn't end on the best of terms, you know, when Jason Kidd left uh, and, you know, reverse course on staying. I mean, that that was very much a sort of a public, you know, cutting off period. Um, Steve Nash, that got messy on the way out the door. So this isn't, 
this isn't uncharacteristic of how these things go sometimes uh, with this organization. I do think, you know, this isn't necessarily indicative of performance, but one thing that I will miss about Donnie is Donnie's a character. You don't get many of those anymore. You know, I, I think in sports, we have a much better picture of what the old school, you know, the baseball man looks like versus the a basketball man. But Donnie was a basketball man. Donnie is a character. You get Donnie on the phone. He's going to filibuster about all kinds of stuff. And he's, you know, he's, he's not your new age analytical, uh, quant who is taking over front offices. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know, but he was very distinct. You knew that this was a presence and just, you know, living here living in the city and following these teams and reporting on them, it, it will be a little less fun and a little less colorful without Donnie around. So what's the profile of a general manager that you would think fit best in his role? Because there will be, you know, we reported on this, there will be a new GM. Um, the idea that Bob was trying to become the GM was was never realistic. Um, now, the influence over the team, that that that's different than being the GM. But specifically in terms of general manager, there has to be somebody who is primarily and fundamentally in charge of of this team of making calls of, of calling the league to negotiate, you know, to, to send trade terms over. And I think it's a big question of what type of person you're looking for, but also equally important, what type of person is willing to take this job given that Mark Cuban is someone who, right. I, I mean, he might promise to stay out of your way. I don't know based off his history, how much that promise means. Yeah. I mean, that's going to, that's going to overshadow all this. To what degree do you feel like, this is your job and you have latitude to do the job your way. I, I think, look, why did Bob create so much influence for himself? Why did Mark listen to him? You know, and we we talked about in the piece on Monday that maybe some of it has to do with their background as sort of self-made men. But I do think the other thread in this that I think will, whoever gets hired, I do think will have this profile is Bob's a very analytical guy. Bob used data. Bob was very cutting edge on that. Donnie, which isn't to say Donnie was not that way, but Donnie was a scouting guy. That's that's Donnie's background. Donnie's the dude in the gym who is watching somebody play and unearthing a gym you've never heard of. Bob is the guy who's running analytical models. I think that appeals to Mark Cuban. You know, Gerson Rosas is, a, you know, when he was here, what is it, seven years ago now for those three months or however long it was, Gerson fit the profile of the cutting edge young NBA executive. And now he's running his own team in Minnesota. I think that is the type of profile that probably appeals to Mark Cuban. I also think when you fire someone uh, and you make a change like this, you're not tending to go back to the same well, right? It's the same thing for coaches. You often go the other direction. Well, what's the other direction of the seasoned basketball lifer who's been in the gyms? It's the younger, more quantifiable type of mind. And I also think young is a key here because I think if you're someone and you're established, you know, to say a, a Masai Ujiri, could a Masai Ujiri come here? Sure, who the hell knows? But if you're Masai Ujiri and you've made your bones and you can run your own shop somewhere else, are you really, even as attractive as Luka Doncic is, are you going to come here and risk that you take a deal and then somewhere down the road, Mark Cuban gets in your way more than you want to? A younger general manager or a first-time GM isn't going to have the leverage to say no. And a younger first-time general manager might be hungry enough to say, this is my shot. I can make this work. Give me the ball and I'll figure it out. Whereas I think your your lifers and your seasoned executives, I have a harder time seeing them take this job. Maybe they do. Maybe I'm wrong. But I think they've just been around the block enough to know that, do I want to deal with an owner who does have a heavy hand when I might just be able to find an easier solution that I could control elsewhere? Uh, briefly to your point about Mark, you know, trending towards AI, analytics, numbers. 
he's a very public person. We've we physically have seen this. Like he used to be a game show investor. He is now a crypto investor. He's recently been very into NFTs and all this stuff. You know, like his because of how public he is and open he is, you know, as a person, we've very much seen his interest skew that direction. Yeah. So I mean, this isn't this isn't a shock, right. you know. Um, but we it, it will be the first time that we see a very the public facing hire possibly reflect those interests. So it's worth noting and it's worth pointing out. Right. That's that's what I'm expecting. I don't know. Did I leave anything out? Is there anything on the checkbox uh, checklist of stuff that you have to have to be the next general manager of the Dallas Mavericks and get this, you know, keep looking out to Tappy, create a championship roster. Is there anything on the on the checklist that I'm missing? Because because he does have analytics minded people around him, I could see it being of someone a bit more traditional. I don't know if it's going to be Michael Finley. I, I know that he's a candidate. I know that he has to be a candidate. You know, they have told him for you know and had glowing profiles written about him for years, saying that they are grooming him to eventually take over the team. Uh, for his name not to be in this consideration would be an embarrassment. Uh, from Speaking of there. embarrassments, can we can we retire the man's number? Right, nobody wears number four anymore. Yeah. He's, he hasn't played in a long time. Can they just make this official? Like, I feel like this is the thing they should at least just get done. I don't know. Maybe it's you're just you're right about that. You're, yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, in in an old man's rant on this back in the Finley days, huh? Back in the Finley days, I yeah, I wrote about that years ago. <laughs> uh, no, at least at least retire the man's jersey, give him some gravitas. But but so just as a as a type of person, like as a type of general manager, I I believe Finley would be more like a Donnie type, obviously without the same pedigree that that Donnie had built up over years and years with Mark. But I think that's that's more the the mind, you know, if if they went with the Finley, not by any means to say that Finley doesn't have a, you know, I'm sure he has a great understanding of analytics. I have no clue what he thinks about it, but I think everybody in the NBA and in this uh, franchise have an appreciation for it. He's definitely more of the relationship scouting, you know, former player type. And and I think that is that's an interesting fit um if if it were to be finley or were to be anyone like finley or in that model and in that vein and my fear as an analyst of the team that thinks that mark does need to be checked and does need someone who can check him a lot of the time my concern is that you know if you bring in a type like that who is young enough or you know inexperienced enough or just doesn't command mark's respect in a in a well enough way to push back often and and frequently when he sees fit yeah, I th- I feel like we're going to get more a lot more of the same. I feel like we're going to get, you know, the same singularly driven focuses for years at a time headed into off seasons um as a team is, you know, as this team and and the people around it are just so convinced oh this is a year it's going to work. So Well, I th- I think the big I think the big variable is, a, you know, a compounding variable isn't just that because I think you're right that, that is something to be wary of. But with Finley specifically, Finley comes from inside the family. If you That's appoint fair. Michael Finley as GM, that is very much saying that, you know, things aren't as broken as maybe the outside world thinks. Because by nature, if you're appointing someone in-house to fix that, especially someone who has only come up in a you know in a personal role in this organization. Yeah, sure, Michael Finley played for the Spurs, the Spurs, the gold standard in a lot of ways. Michael Finley, the executive, has been with the Dallas Mavericks. Michael Finley, the executive, has been in your culture. And if you are saying, Mike, fix this. I'm skeptical that's going to go very well. That has absolutely nothing to do with Finley. If there's somebody young who you bring in from the outside, you at least are acknowledging, okay, maybe there's stuff in here that isn't going the right way. Maybe somebody outside of this can look in the, can look and assess us and say, this is what you need to fix because I'm seeing this with fresh eyes. So briefly on Luca, he 
is planning to resign. League sources, uh, you know, tell me and Sam Amick, we reported that this morning. We also reported it Monday, but, you know, with the news, as, you know, as far as our understanding is, everything people are telling us, he's still going to sign the Supermax. He was close to, to Donnie. Um, and I think the way it was expressed to me from a few different sources that were not even ones we were using for this, a, 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 maybe a, almost unexpected places, that, that he did actually have a really s- solid and friendly and almost caring relationship with this person who we viewed as, you know, someone who brought him into the NBA in a lot of ways. So I do think it's worth considering, you know, how what type of effect that would have on Luca. But what type of effect, to be clear, is not turning down $200 million? No. His Slovenia national team press conference duties, which happened today, uh, this morning, our time, so like probably 4 p.m. over in Slovenia, they have a seven-hour time difference. Um, he he talked about how he did like Donnie, and it was it wasn't a great thing. You know, he did enjoy seeing that he was departing, but he also said, you know, I don't make those decisions, and so all of those things kind of framed in in one. The entire point of framing Monday's story around Luca was not that there's an imminent concern. It's it's pointing down the road, and it's pointing at how critical this this year and these years are right now and so i i think i think that things are still in a good position i had somebody ask me should we be cautiously pessimistic or optimistic i think it's cautious cautiously optimistic if you have luka Doncic on your team that is the single hardest part to building a championship roster is having a top five player and they have that so i think it's still yeah be cautiously optimistic it they could they could back their way into success and just win a finals because you know, they they trade for Christos Porzingis and it turns out Tim Hardaway Jr. is the steal of the trade. Like, yeah, funny things can happen like that. Basketball. Exactly. Right. I think it's worth noting, you know, contextualizing his relationship with Donnie. There are factors that pull a player closer to an organization and there are factors that push a player further from an organization. I don't think firing Donnie Nelson pushes Luca further from the organization. Was keeping Donnie Nelson around something that maybe pulled him closer to it? Sure. But there are a lot of things that could do that. The bottom line is, if you nail this next hire and this next hire builds you a winning roster on Luka Doncic and you start winning, Luka's going to want to stay. That's just what this comes down to. You know, if you win and the team is going well and Luka Doncic is making max money, which he's going to be, then that's about all you can do. So, yes, in the heat of the moment right now and the heat of a truly wild, wild week around this organization, yeah, there are going to be some emotions flying around because this is an organization that's not used to change and now there's about to be a lot of it. But the big picture doesn't change. As Tim said, you have the superstar on the roster and that superstar in Luka Doncic is a very competitive-minded guy who wants to win. If you nail this GM hire and this said GM makes great decisions, or hey, if Mark Cuban influences these decisions and these decisions work, whatever, however you get to a winning roster. Yeah, if you're a fan, you you don't care. Just just make right decisions. Who cares in the front office? As long as it's working, right? (laughs) As long as the W's get in the win column, then none of this matters. So if they win, Luka Doncic will be happy. That's really what this comes down to. you got probably, what, four years, Tim, before you start after really worrying about any real chance of enforcing a trade, something like that? Once I, I'd say, I think, I think the concern is when the news cycle starts, and that's probably three years out. Yeah, so, you know. Once the news cycle is full swing, uh, well, I guess four. Yeah, four. four it's a five-year deal, right? Right, so, right, right. Yeah, and so there's six years, years left under contract. So I'm thinking four years. you got four years. Okay, yeah, I think of, you're right. A lot of wild stuff could happen in the NBA in four years. That's so true. Donnie Nelson getting fired now 
In four years, Luka Doncic is 26 years old. That is not going to determine whether Luka Doncic stays a Dallas Maverick or not. It's just not. If they hire somebody good, that will do a lot more to determining if he's here or if he's not. I, I think that's right. So Where are you holding up this week, Mike? I'm, you know, it's been You're a here. week. I, I mean, to remind everyone, Mike has been my editor throughout this entire process as we've reported the story. So, yeah, what you, you know. guys see this week is the byproduct of a lot of conversations over months. From when? When from did? Tim and when I. did I? When did? When do you remember me first messaging you about this, even in vague terms, not quite knowing what was going on yet? God, I mean, I want to say April, but maybe it was before that. It was. It was. I. I it's all blurs together. I have not taken a day off in like a month. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> yeah. I figure, yeah. So I want to talk about the reporting process a little bit. Um, and look, journalism is a very complicated industry, as I'm sure everyone is. But journalism is also public facing. And I don't expect that everybody knows exactly how it works and operates. I, that's not everybody's business. But I think it's interesting, um, especially as I see stuff, a bunch of stuff flying around. Like, I. It, People are going to make assumptions and they're going to come to conclusions. And I'm, I'm not so worried You're about that. You're a public figure at this point, Tim. That exactly. is just comes to the territory. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm not I'm not worried in the slightest. But I do think that because of how much was said about the reporting and the sourcing and everything of this process, I think it would be interesting just to share what I'm able to share. Um, obviously, there are hard limits to what I will share about the sourcing specifically. Um, but, you know, like, there's I think there's an impression that People are like, there's one person and it's Donnie or there's, you know, it's mostly, you know, this one person who was driving when in reality, there was dozens of people talked to, um, you know, I will not say whether Donnie was a source. I actually, I have, I have, I, I said that he wasn't, um, obviously it's more complicated than did I talk to the man, uh, or, you know, is some of his perspective represented in the piece? Sure, I think that's a valid that a valid point to make, and you can read it that way if you wish. Um, but all I can say is that this is this isn't something that came from outside the league. Even though I had a national writer, Sam was wonderful this entire process and crucial to it. And there was a lot of league sourcing in this as well. But it, it wasn't it wasn't a story that came you know from from outside the league in. It wasn't a story I brought in from outside the league and then started bringing to people. It was something I first heard internally. And I heard it months ago and it's been, you know, kind of this entire process as it's built that, you know, it's, it's been something we've been working on. It's been something I've been working on. Um, so, you know, I think, I think that's an interesting, you know, just a little inside baseball thing. Yeah. About, this isn't, this to, isn't, no, I think the, the key thing you just said, which is an important takeaway here, you know, some stories you will see people write after talking to 20 sources or whatever. We didn't do that in this story, but there are a lot of people that Tim and Sam talked to. From a right. lot of different capacities, and a lot of them were internal. So this isn't one guy driving an agenda. This isn't a hit piece. This is this is stuff that we know to be true from talking to just too many people and being careful about it. And you know, as I sit here and we talk more, it's like, yeah, of course. And I'm piecing the timeline back to my gather, back together in my head. It was definitely well before April that you brought it to me, right? So this is I would say February. Um, February sounds yeah, that's probably better. So you know, and I definitely remember stuff. you know like around the trade deadline, there was a lot of frustrations within the team. You know, yeah, you're a, right. I do remember this now. So you know, there's, there there's a quote in the story that we have two general managers. Um, yeah. yeah. There's a lot and of so, frustrations around the trade deadline. So this is four months in, in the making. This isn't right. something that we conspired to drop at a certain time. We we did this story when we knew that we had everything to make this an honest story and a story that we felt like we did our homework on. And, and I certainly had even an idea about Bob having a level of influence before that. 
But, yeah. you know, an analytics guy having a level of influence isn't anything. That's not the story, you know, and it, it isn't, you know, something that would rise to the occasion of writing what we did because what we wrote was fundamentally different. Um, I do think it's funny that I would get a lot of questions and like, you know, the athletic live Q&A chats and things like that, um, even on Twitter or in Twitter DMs. What's the deal with Bob? Like, what's his actual role? And, the, you know, there was intuitive people that speculated months ago that, you know, he had a larger role than people thought. Now, I think some of that just came from his public persona um, as someone who, you know, has a lot of Twitter followers and has been on podcasts for a long time. And to some degree, you know, his his the way he thinks about basketball is public. And, you know, that's something I kind of talked about is that, you know, in a lot of ways, this team is built in a vision of how basketball teams should be built over the past few years. Not every move, but certainly a lot of them. And we reported as much. Because we know exactly how this person thinks about basketball. He's been very public about it. He's also been a public persona and a public figure. Um, I think the other the other thing is is you know the idea that Donnie you know that that this was you know I guess just going back to Donnie and going back to Donnie like what's interesting is there was different sourcing in what we had Thursday than what we had Monday. It wasn't just a copy paste situation, and it's also funny that I've I've been kind of cast as the Donnie guy. <laughs> I think I have been fairly critical of a lot of the you know past 10 years of the Mavericks front office um, on this very podcast, probably repeatedly. Now, you know, I said very complimentary things about him as well to start this podcast. And I think those things are also correct. But the idea that the Mavericks didn't need a new voice of some sort is is something I've you know, I, I do believe that they've they've needed new voices and they've they've needed new ideas because it's clear what happened from 2011 to 2017 um even even yeah 2017 you know it's clear that that stretch was really a bleak stretch for this franchise and you know as someone who you know views dirk in heroic terms you know i grew up a mavericks fan and he was my last real tie to any sort of fandom to this team and you know i i am still very frustrated for his sake that the final years of his career went like they did and again, there are not, you know, there is not one decision maker in a front office. There is one decision maker is Mark Cuban. But who he's listening to and who he's influenced by, by is, will change. Often it, it has been Donnie in the past. Sometimes it's been Rick Carlisle. You know, recently and in, in a lot of ways it has been Bob. But it's very clear that, you know, whatever the power structure was, it failed Dirk in his final years. And that's, you know, really disappointing to me. You know, to see this guy who who gave so much and was so patient. And once he won the championship, he was never going to leave, even though, you know, he might have toyed with the idea of, of Golden State or, you know, as they were as they were thriving. But, you know, even if he had gone to Golden State and won in 2016 and prevented the, you know, the infamous uh, LeBron comeback, you know, in this in this retelling of events, they probably don't win the 2011 championship. Dirk wouldn't have appreciated that any anything like he did the 2011 one absolutely not no. yeah so we're getting i'm getting way off track now i'm just kind of rambling it's been a long week it's been it's been a long week it's been a long week but i think that there is a lot of validity to say that it was time for a change and that donnie nelson's track record while good in some areas pretty good at finding undrafted free agents stuff like that his track record overall whether it was his specific track record or his inability to talk Cuban out of things that were worse or, you know, his inability to talk Cuban into Giannis, for example, 
that all has to apply to his track record if you're the GM of the Mavericks. That is the nature of the job, given who the owner is. And it wasn't good enough over over the past 10 decades. And so, yeah, I've I've mixed feelings about right move you know i I think it was a that was a very tough question i asked at the start of this it's impossible to say (laughs) if it's the right move but the idea that the the mavericks need to be better i don't know if this movie is going to make them better uh and and we want until we see who gets brought in instead yeah we got it we got to wait but exactly yeah Yeah. anyway mike i appreciate this this was a a little bit of a different pod uh if only that we're recording on a thursday for the second time in one week and it's been a different week man it's been a lot going on we serve the people we got a little meta with things and how they work, but that's okay. I think I'm I'm allowed to do this on my own podcast, the only Mavericks podcast in existence. So yeah. I don't know what our schedule is going forwards, listeners, but we will be having episodes throughout this uh, summer, especially going to into the off season. I can imagine if you know the GM hire is quick, a quick turnaround. We'll probably record something next week if it is next week. Um, if it's further than that, you know, there might be a bit of silence. I got to take some time off. It's been a, uh, it's been a long season, but, uh, but you know, I think things were particularly heat back up, um, headed into August when there's going to be free agency and summer league. And we'll definitely have some more podcast and content and stories and all of the good stuff that you expect from 77 minutes and the athletic on the various places that you can find them. So thanks for listening. We'll talk to y'all soon. Please be nice to Luca. Future four time MVP. It's a wrap.